Well, again, good morning. As Ryan said at the beginning of our worship, we are in the season of Advent. Uh, this is the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, Advent is uh, an ancient season celebrated by the church uh, over these four weeks leading up to Christmas. And it really focuses us in on uh, the past, the present, and the future coming of Jesus. Now, Advent may be new to you. Uh, it certainly was new to me uh, a few years ago. Um, Advent had not really been a part of my life with Jesus before that. Um, some of you are very familiar with Advent, um, but I think even, uh, even with that being the case, I think some of us still aren't really sure what to do with Advent. What is Advent and what is it for? And so I think what we find is it creates this weird dissonance uh, in our experience, this dissonance uh, with the tidal wave of kind of Christmas celebration that just kind of comes barreling at us in this month of December. Uh, today is a perfect example of what that feels like. So after the service, we're gonna gather outside for a celebration. Before that, though, we're gathered in this place and we've heard readings like we just heard that in, uh, on the surface seem very disconnected from the traditional Christmas story that we might expect to hear. We're in a season where together as a community, we're fasting. Uh, we gathered this past Wednesday at eight o'clock and it was amazing. We had a time of uh, where we began our fast together. We prayed together, we worshiped together and we considered what does it really mean to long for Jesus to come back. And so we have this kind of going on in the life of the church in Advent, and then you have Christmas. And what's gonna happen after the service, we're gonna gather in the parking lot, we're gonna celebrate this Christmas season with our Christmas festival. Uh, and we do that because we feel called to be a, a witness to our city of the love of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor. So this is a chance for us to love our neighbor. We invite our community uh, onto our campus. We throw a big party. It's an opportunity for us to kind of come alongside them, meet them and let them experience what it looks like and feels like to be a part of a community following Jesus together. So I think as followers of Jesus, we kind of try to navigate this tension, right, with Advent. On the one hand, Christmas joy with Jesus. On the other, Advent longing for him to come again. And I believe as followers of Jesus, we need to live into that tension. We actually need Advent as followers of Christ. And so what we're doing over these four weeks of Advent is we're taking time to talk about our deep need for this, our hunger that um, we need a, a hope. We're hungry for hope. We talked about that last week. Hunger for peace. We'll talk about that this week. Hunger for joy. Hunger for love. That Advent can kind of help orient our hearts and help us understand what the deepest longings of our life truly are. And so this morning, we're gonna consider our hunger for peace. So I wanna invite you to grab a, a Bible. Um, there should be one near you, one of the blue Bibles in the seat back near you, or if you wanna open it up on your phone, Matthew chapter three is where we're gonna be together. We're gonna look together at uh, John the Baptist, this character known as John the Baptist. We just heard Matthew three read. And as you're turning there, have that open in front of you, uh, you know, John the Baptist, I think, is the perfect hero for Advent. Uh, in large part because I think just as we don't really know what to do with Advent, we don't know what to do with John the Baptist either. 
Uh, John is someone that I think if we were likely to encounter him uh, just in our modern day, most of us would have probably assumed two things, that he was probably homeless and that he had some kind of mental illness. I mean, this is a guy who lives outside. He, uh, he wears um, uh, clothes made of animal skin, we're told. Uh, he barks at the authorities and he tells everybody he meets that they need to repent. Okay, so that's the character that we encounter here. And John the Baptist, he sets the tone. He sets the tone as we begin the gospels, but also I think he sets the tone for us as we're entering this season of Advent. And so I wanna look at what he says. He sets the tone here in verse three. It says it sets the tone because he is what was prophesied long before him, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He is preparing the way of the Lord, making his paths straight. In other words, he's setting the stage for Jesus' arrival. Now, how does he set it? How does John set this moment up? How does he describe it? Look with me at verse 10. It says, as Jesus arrives, John declares, even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. A few verses later, verse 12, his winnowing fork is in his hand. He, Jesus, will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Anybody ever got a Christmas card that said unquenchable fire on the front, right? How, uh, how do we deal with this? What is this? How is this related to Advent and even more so Christmas and Jesus? Um, this is hard language to hear. It's apocalyptic language, right? We kind of get that. It feels like that end of the world kind of language. And it's language that I think that makes us uncomfortable. We can just acknowledge that. Talking this way, reading scriptures like this make us uncomfortable. But here's the thing, it's good news. It's good news. Why is it good news? This doesn't sound like good news. Why is it good news? It's good news for two reasons. It's good news first, because it signals that Jesus has arrived which means that hope has entered into the world. That's what John is saying here when it says the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, God himself has drawn near. That's good news because that's gonna change everything. And then second reason it's good news is because it points to the future coming of God to remake the world. He will make all things new. See, John the Baptist's declarations about Jesus' arrival, they're very different. They have a very different flavor than kind of the cute, quaint pictures that we think of when it comes to Christmas, the baby and the manger. And so it's no wonder why we kind of shy away from these kinds of impressions of Jesus and embrace the latter. But John's words here highlight what I think is very important for us to understand, and it's the focus of Advent. And it's something that we need, not just to prepare us for Christmas, but I think even more so, and this is the focus of Advent, to prepare us for the second coming of Jesus, that he will indeed return. What John talks about here is the Jesus who will clear the threshing floor, who will gather the wheat and burn the chaff with fire. This Jesus that John the Baptist is introducing is Jesus the judge. When Jesus returns, in other words, he will not come again in swaddling clothes, 
but we're told he will come in power and in glory. Philippians 2 says, in that moment of history, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is gonna come again. And when he comes, he's gonna come as the judge. John has both his first and his second coming in view here as he announces Christ's arrival. To understand though, what it means that Jesus is the judge, I think we have to really understand God's original purpose for creation. Jack Wisdom, a member of our congregation, has a great quote about this in his book, Breaking Good. He says it this way. He says, God's purpose and goal for creation was shalom through love. Shalom is a Hebrew word that defies translation. Shalom describes the way things were when God rested on the seventh day of creation, the way things ought to be today but are not, the way things shall be when God's will is fully done in the new creation. Shalom, he says, is perfect justice and perfect peace. It is love responding to love. That was God's intent. Another thing, in other words, things are not as they ought to be in this life. Sin, our rebellion against God and his way of life has had catastrophic consequences on our personal lives and on our world. Everything and everyone at the deepest level has been touched by sin. It is broken. In some ways, all too real to us, we know the depths of that brokenness. We experience the depths of that brokenness. But in other ways, I think we live in denial of that brokenness. The truth is many of us live relatively comfortable lives compared to the rest of the world. Fleming Rutledge writes, the image of Jesus as the cosmic judge who will ultimately come to put an end to all sin and wickedness forever is not so frightening to the poor and oppressed of the earth as it is to those who have a lot to lose. For most of us, for most of the time, if we're totally honest, our heart's cry isn't come Lord Jesus. It's come Lord, but not yet. My life isn't quite that bad. Her point here is that if we were destitute, if we were living on the street, if we were unjustly imprisoned, if we felt trapped in a hospital room, room or in a broken body, the reality, the depths of our brokenness would be harder to deny. Truth is we always need Jesus. We always need his peace and his justice, the God who will set things right. But sadly, all too often, we only acknowledge that when we're in the pit of our despair. We're in the place of grief. And some of us this morning, we're in that place right now. We feel the brokenness of the world and our cry is come Lord Jesus, when will you come back? But Advent invites all of us into that place, into that place where we wrestle, we're ruthlessly honest with ourselves about the condition of our own lives, our own hearts, but not just that, the condition of our world a world marred by pride and by greed, a world of classism and racism and xenophobia and homophobia and all these things that tear at our humanity and tear at our society, a world where we know places like Emmanuel AME Zion 
a world where we know places like the El Paso Walmart, a world where just last night an HPD officer was shot and killed in the line of duty. This is the world we live in. We live in a world where there's tents of homeless people within blocks of my house. On the other side of the Heights, there's a clinic, the Thomas Street Health Center, where 6,000 patients right now are receiving treatment for AIDS. This is the brokenness of the world. And what Advent says is open your eyes. Open your eyes to the catastrophe of sin and what it's done to us and what it's done to our world. It says open your eyes to the need for a just and a good God. That's why Advent is a season of longing. Longing for what we were created for, for, for shalom, for justice, for peace. And the promise of Advent is that one day, Jesus, who began this work when he brought his kingdom the first time, will, re, will return and bring it in full. It will be consummated, perfect peace and perfect justice when he returns. And that begs the question, what is justice? What is justice? There's a lot of talk about justice in our day, usually in terms of social justice, uh, especially kind of my generation and younger. Social justice is a high value. What does social justice mean? I think most of the time it works, it means working for the common good. The idea that everyone is equal and should have equal access and equal rights. Now, what's interesting is whether people realize it or not, this idea of justice is actually rooted in a Christian worldview. Whether they would accept that or not, that's where it comes from. And despite the shortcomings of these movements, the secularization of justice in our culture has had positive effects. And I would even say it's had positive effects on the church. It's called the church back to essential aspects of its mission, at least here in the United States that had waned, caring for the poor and the sick, advocating for human dignity, renewed church movements that seek racial reconciliation, that work against human trafficking, that engage with the foster and adoption care needs in our culture. But I also think it's very important that we understand that when the Bible talks about justice, it's something different than when our culture talks about justice. Throughout scripture, Justice is understood to be God's commitment or loyalty to his creation. And it's reflected in human beings' covenant response to him. In other words, justice, you might think about it this way, justice is what it would look like in a world where God's people live in right relationship with him and with each other. Justice is what it would look like in a world where we live in right relationship with God and with each other. That's why justice and righteousness are so closely kind of connected with this idea of God's kingdom in the scriptures. Jesus says to seek first his righteousness. You could easily substitute justice right there. Seek first God's justice. To do that is to seek his kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus teaching on justice. It is the kingdom way, the way of justice. Jesus gives us a picture of what it would look like, what it will look like when Jesus returns and all things are made new and the new creation has begun, what it would look like to live together in faithfulness to a faithful God through things like worship and prayer and fasting 
marriage, service, giving, caring for the poor, walking with the suffering and the lost. The truth is we live in an unjust world as followers of a just God. And what Advent does is it help put that, helps to put that in perspective. And John the Baptist had that perspective on the world. He longed for God's peace and justice. Martin Luther King once said that true peace is not merely the absence of tension. It is the presence of justice. I think John the Baptist would have agreed, but I think he would have added something to that. I think he would have said true justice then requires repentance. Over and over, John cried out in the wilderness, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. As one pastor said, as followers of Jesus, we live on the kingdom frontier where the world's resistance to God meets his irresistible force, the force of the one who is coming. In other words, we live in that place where we are part of the kingdom of God and yet we live in the kingdom of this world. And the right response to think about how we live in that space is to think in terms of justice through repentance. Advent, in other words, invites us to rethink and reorder our lives around the reality in which we live, this kingdom reality, this already but not yet. It says, respond to the brokenness inside of you and the brokenness of the world in repentance. For John the Baptist, the right response to coming face to face with a broken world and rebellion is repentance. Repentance is more than just being sorry. We talk about this a lot in my house. I have two nine-year-olds and a five-year-old who are very good at saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, all right? Repentance is more than being, I'm saying I'm sorry, right? We know that. It's a change of behavior. This is what we talk about with our kids. Not just saying you're sorry, but changing your behavior. The Greek metanoia means to turn around, to reorient yourself, to move in the other direction from the direction you were going. It means to receive a new start altogether. It's to turn away from the self and false promises of justice and peace and hope in this world and to turn towards Jesus. This is one reason that we're fasting during the season of Advent. Fasting is a way to ask God to use our full selves, including our physical bodies, to orient our hearts towards him, to reorient our hearts towards him. But to truly repent, to truly turn towards God, what we need is more than knowledge and more than a practice like fasting. What we need is the power of God himself. We need Jesus. This is why he's come. His death on the cross conquered the power of sin and death in the world. And through him, through faith in him as our savior king, we have become new people. We are citizens of a new kingdom and can experience life in the power of his Holy Spirit. Repentance is living in this power. It's turning from all previous allegiances and sources of identity no family line or political party or citizenship, no class, no race, no ethnicity matters more than Jesus. It is our identity in Jesus that matters the most. Repentance 
is also refusing to trust in the powers of this world to tell us who we are and how this world was meant to be. Justice will not come from better genes, better morals, better theology, not from better attitudes, better education, better government, or even better churches. All those things matter, but none of those things will set the world to rights. It is God's loving power that saves, that brings justice, that moves our hearts to repentance. And what Advent does is it asks us, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that God alone has the power to save, to bring justice, to actually move in our hearts, to reorient them to Christ? That it's God and his spirit alone, that it is Christ alone that can change us and change the world. Is that our hope? That is the question that Advent asks. If it is, if ultimately it is Christ and Christ alone, then we will become people of justice. We will become people of shalom, people who live in right relationship with God and right relationship with one another. That's what we're after here as a community, to live in this way, to live in the way of shalom, to be a witness of what the new creation will one day bring, this life and life to the full in Jesus. And if that's what we become, are becoming, then things like our possessions will mean less and God will be more. If that's who we're becoming, our desires will mean less and God's desires will mean more. Our privileges, our rights will mean less and the needs of others will mean more to us. We will seek after the good of all and not just the comfort of a few. When we grasp this incredible reality that John the Baptist is pointing us to, that it is God and God only who can save the world, who can bring peace and justice, then our hearts cry, will become, come Lord Jesus, come. Let us pray.